Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the DC Sports Brain Trust. My name is Varun. I am your host and moderator, joined, as always, by three of my good friends and the best damn sports analysts around, Chris, Nick, and Rahul. Gentlemen, you doing all right today? How we doing? It's a good day for DC Sports, ain't it? It's a beautiful day. Good day for DC Sports. Great day. As Nick just mentioned before we started recording. It is a a a beautiful day for for DC Sports. It is a... It is a beautiful day. Top is failing me in this crucial moment twice. <laughs> That's okay. It's working now. It is a beautiful day for DC Sports, and it is a beautiful day for glorious, glorious beards on the Washington football team. But we'll get to that in a little bit. We're going to start with the Capitals. The Capitals are first in the East, so clap them, clap it up, raise, raise a glass for the Washington Capitals as they are dominant. In this most recent run, Sorry, and they I are to visually describe what just went. I had to check Chris to see if he had a beard. I don't know; he didn't really look like one on video. A <laughs> little bit. It's coming in a little bit. It's about to be shaved. But yeah, we... but yeah, to the... but yeah, to continue the conversation, the Capitals are first in the East. They are dominant. Uh, it looks like maybe the one big point that is. Kind of, that critics are kind of going off of is that there needs to be a little bit more consistency in their goaltending, but their offense is doing really well. Their defense has improved. Um, just the only nitpick, if you have one, is it would be the consistent goaltending. But gentlemen, want to get your perspective on this, of course. Uh, Chris, start with you. Your thoughts on this. It is good to see the Caps in first place. What do they need to do to continue this dominance? So, technically, as of right now that we're recording this podcast, they're in second place. Um, the Islanders are beating them by two points, but the Islanders have also played two extra games. So, there is that. They are in second. But, they have been doing pretty well, I'd say. Not a lot of complaints from... Not a lot of changing complaints from kind of our last podcast that we kind of talked about, like Defense is doing all right. The offense, obviously, is always going to do pretty well. They're always going to score goals in the offense. But the goaltending does need to be a little bit better, a little bit more consistent. Um, Yeah, hopefully that'll improve as the season goes on and the two rookie goaltenders, or essentially rookie goaltenders, can get their feet under them. But, yeah, we'll have to see, I guess. Consistency is the key, though, because if they want to make it in the playoffs, make it deep in the playoffs, I think consistency is definitely the, the key here. Uh, Nick, thoughts? Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think looking at the goaltenders, both of them are playing about the same. Um, I believe Sam Sonoff save percentage is 908, and he's 6 1 and 1, which is pretty decent. And has a loss since coming back. Yeah, and Vitek Vanacek, 13-5-3 uh, with a 9 save percentage. And it's, you know, it, it's not bad. Uh, I think it could be a little bit better, both of them. Um, you know, I, I think now that Samsonov is back and they're going to settle into the roles of switching back and forth, hopefully that'll uh, continue to pay dividends and maybe show some improvement on both of them because I think check there was getting a little worn out having to mm-hmm. play so many games in a row, and Samsonov was a little bit rusty coming back. Uh, but I think right now, you know, that that's the area of the team that could see the most improvement, but it's not exactly a weakness. Um, you know, a, a lot of guys have really been stepping up that were kind of a problem last year. Uh, you know, Nick Jensen kind of comes to mind. He's really stepped his game up this year, and the team as a whole – Playing very well, um, they went seven and zero during Tom Wilson's suspension, uh, which says quite a lot. Um, you know, so that's that's kind of an interesting thing um, in terms of what we want to see from Tom Wilson going forward with the suspensions and the hits. I'm kind of curious to get your all's thoughts on that. But uh, Raul, what do you think? So yeah, I agree uh, with the goaltending need to be more consistent. You know, curiously against like last year. I felt like you could kind of excuse some of the poor goaltending play because there just wasn't that much help from the defense. But, like, at this point in the year, I really feel like you can place more blame on both Vanacek and Samsonov as they try and adjust and get more experience in the NFL and try and hammer out their craft. Um, 
other than that, um, I think Wilson's absence, even though they did go seven and zero uh, during that time, we kind of do miss that spirit. Um, and having an enforcer back in our line is always going to be a boost. Um, I'm actually wanting to ask, like, there were comments by Peter Leviolette on Wilson being back about how you can't really change Wilson's style of play, his game. Um, there was, like, an NBC article about it when they interviewed him, and you have to kind of define what the line is and, like, what line you can't cross. What do you think about that, uh, Chris? Sorry. What's <laughs> it? About Tom Wilson. Oh, uh, yeah, Tom, Tom Wilson. Wilson. Okay. Does he need to change? Do we just have to live with it? Uh, he probably needs to change for the playoffs, but I don't think if Tom Wilson is ever going to change, to be honest. He probably needs to lock it down. Uh, not get to spread it because the next one's going to be like 50 games. So he's got to uh, tighten up. His emotions, essentially. I wonder if any hockey players got suspended for the season. Like, it's definitely have gotten to happen, right? I'm sure. Tom Wilson had a 20-game suspension. Right, but uh, he never got suspended for more than... That was, like, the biggest. Yeah, that was by far the biggest. Um, Largest suspension for a hit. Uh, 30 games to Chris Simon of the New York Islanders. After he stepped on Jarko Rutu. Uh, yeah, he stepped on a guy. The only reason Tom Wilson got 20 games is because he had a history. Yeah. Rafi Torres of the San Jose Sharks was suspended 41 games. Oh, I missed that. October 5th, 2015. Yeah, so you, n- you don't really get suspended the season. It's just X amount of games in the season. Yeah. There have been some pretty months. nasty, uh, <clears throat> there have been some nasty hits in the past. Oh, t- Dale Hunter's on this list. Dale Hunter got suspended when he was playing for the Caps. Suspended twenty one games for a hit. Maybe while we, the guy maybe. was celebrating a goal. Oh, that's funny. You the know the kid eats those lofty goals, but he probably will. The Let's one I honest. was thinking of was uh, Todd Bertuzzi. That was the one I was thinking of, and he had twenty games too. But he was the guy that basically cold cocked the guy from behind, and then kind of like knocked him out while he was on his feet, and then pushed him down and dove his head into the ground. Yep. And the guy never played hockey again because he had I mean, like a severe neck injury. That guy only got twenty games. The guy Wilson injured is still not playing hockey right now. Really? Yeah, he hasn't been back in the lineup. What do you have? A concussion? I think it was a concussion. Yeah, facial injury. Interesting. Well, concussions. I mean, they're different for everybody. Some people come back within a week. Some people it takes months. It, it depends on your concussion history and. And really all sorts of things. It's kind of different for everybody. Um, Jordan Reed kind of comes to mind. He had that one concussion his last year with us. And, you know, it knocked him out of the whole season. Yeah. Because he had so many. And it it can be devastating after a while. But anyways, um, you know, back to Tom Wilson. I think that that grittiness is always good for the playoffs. Um, You know, it's kind of need, needed in the playoffs because in the playoffs teams are faster and they're also a lot more gritty. So you know, having a Tom Wilson is good for that. Um, I, I'd like to sign, I'd like to see him exhibit a little bit of self control in the regular season because I don't want to see him get suspended again. But you know, the fighting and getting under opponent's skin is part of his game, so it's like mm-hmm. it's hard to ask that of him. So you know, you just. I think it's something you got to live with for the most part. The longest suspension ever, for a little fun fact, um, that was hockey-related. <laughs> One guy got arrested, and they pretty much banned him for life. But another guy, Billy Kotu, April 1927. <laughs> Two and a half years. Would he uh, pull out, like, a pistol or something? And... <laughs> no, yeah. Assaulted referee Jerry Laflamme, oh tackled referee Billy Bell, and started a Stanley Cup bench-clearing brawl, apparently Ooh. on the orders of Coach Ross, Art Ross. Originally banned for life, the penalty was commuted after two and a half years. 1920s, bring them back. <laughs> <laughs> a roaring hockey's, 20s. hockey's not the same anymore. Nope. <laughs> There's no bench-clearing brawls. And 1920s referees. is only fun for you and 
for you and Chris, Nick. It's not fun for Rahul and I. Sorry about that. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know, dude. I'm. I I would probably they weren't a big fan of Irish back then either. Wow, everyone, stop bringing politics into sports. Yeah, yeah. This the is the DC Sports Brain Trust, not the DC. All right. Well, let's politics. go ahead and move forward. I believe this was covered, but I'll bring it up again. Uh, Trevor Van, and I really hope I'm saying the right na- last name right. Reamsdyke hey, signed a. T- Trevor Van Reemsdyke signed a two-year, $1.9 million extension for the team. Uh, so what with this extension, like, what does this do? Like, what is this, like, how are we, how, do, how does Trevor move forward with the team, with this move? Like, what's next for him after signing this extension? Nothing. He's a depth piece that they can easily cut. <laughs> so the athletic article I was reading about this was, that the reason why they did extend him was to protect him from the expansion draft, which, and like it would leave Schultz and Jensen open, which I thought was kind of weird because I feel like Jensen's far outplaying uh, both Rimsdyke Rimsdyke, and Schultz Schultz so far. So, yeah, I guess it's for that reason. Well, does him being under contract, yeah, that makes sense. So I guess if he's under contract, that's... Well, they're not going to protect him. I don't think they'll protect... No, they won't no. protect Reemsdyke, but... Um, He's literally just a depth piece. Yeah, it, it means that they're locking down somebody for a couple of years that we think will be a depth piece, but it also exposes fewer of the guys that we don't want to expose or something like that. Somewhat, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, ultimately, how many people do we have to expose? Like four or five? I think oh, we have I to expose at least one goalie. Um, the the goalie part might be kind of interesting because uh, I think we have to put up at least one goalie, and yeah, it's essentially six forwards. I think three defenders, three or four yeah. defenders, and one. Uh, so you actually have a choice. Um, it's seven forwards, three defensemen, one goalie, or eight skaters and one goalie. Yeah, so they'll they'll definitely do the seven three option. I imagine. I think this is part of what that move was for. Was that they're heading towards the seven three option. <clears throat> Rather than the eight skater option. Because I don't the the defense like what defenseman you're definitely gonna protect Carlson. Dylan. You're definitely gonna defect Dylan and then and you're probably gonna protect Kempney as well. But Orlov. Even he's probably well, yeah, I guess Orlov. So you probably expose Kempney. I would expose Kempney. But I feel like an expansion draft, our defenseman's not really gonna get taken. You know what I mean? Like they're probably Carlson? Gonna- Dylan? Not no, in that terms of that. I'm talking about like the players that we expose. They're probably going to take like either Vrana if we don't save him. Vrana. We would have to extend Vrana first because he won't be under contract next year. They will. Um, TJ Oshie might be exposed. That, that's we, we don't really know what what the deal will be with that yet, but he might be exposed. Pr- I think that they're going to expose Vrana though, because <clears throat> he's less appealing than. A lot of the other guys, but they would have to extend. They'd have to extend him first, right? Probably, I think because I think this is. I think he's in a contract year. They'll probably expose Vrana and protect Oshi because Oshi's more a better, a more interesting option for the Kraken. Yeah, the, I don't know. I'm. That's a tough one for me because I I still like Vrana. The the only thing is, I mean, I I obviously like Oshi more right now. But when you look at their ages, I think Oshie's like 32 or 33, and Vrana's like 24. Yeah, I'm just saying. So there's I, a lot more of Vrana that you can still get. I think the Kraken. Oshie, he's already on a pretty expensive contract. The Kraken are more likely to go after Oshie, though. Um, Probably. It's also a contract year for one big Russian, or a captain, Obi, who uh, they haven't really gone forward with uh, uh, extension I'm talks. I'm worried about it. That's a... That's a that's more of a when, less of an if. They'll, they'll work they'll, it out. Yeah. They'll work it out. I think Ovi wants to be here. We want Ovi to be here. I, I'm not too concerned about it. They'll, they'll, they'll make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was something we talked about with Backstrom last year, and that, that came, what, in the middle of the year? It came, yeah, in the middle. Yeah. And then they just signed it as, like, not even really a news article afterwards. Yeah. So they got Backstrom for five year, five more years. I think that's about what we'll see Ovi sign. We'll probably see him sign like a five-year extension. Um, Something like that. Good stuff. Yep. All right. Think we're ready. Think we're ready. 
We're going to talk football. I mentioned at the beginning of the show that beards are a majestic part of now of DC football culture. And that is the case in 2021 as Ryan Fitzpatrick has signed a one-year deal with the Washington football team. He is bringing a gunslinging, I-do-not-give-a-fuck mentality to the Washington football team. And there is no such thing as riding the bench. There's no, like, Willie Star. He is the unquestioned starter for this upcoming season. Rahul, you first, since I know. Since I want to get your perspective the most on this, because it's hilarious. (laughs) Your thoughts on Ryan Fitzpatrick joining the Washington football team. We covered this. Um, I actually didn't really think he'd signed with us. I don't think Nick really thought he'd signed with us. Um, so this is kind of a little bit surprising, but this shows that they just want someone who can keep the ship going, um, like can make plays for the receivers, because Ryan Fitzpatrick is kind of the opposite of Alex Smith in every way. He's not <laughs> going to check it down as often. He's not going to throw uh, behind the sticks as often, and he's definitely not going to take the sack or like just throw it away. He's going to make plays. It's just like, is he going to make plays for our offense? Is he going to make plays for their defense is the question. But he, it's complete total shift in the type of signal caller that they have. And it's kind of interesting that they did decide to surround him with a one other weapon that can really make use of his arm and his tendency to go deep. And some people have been talking on the internet as they will about how he could possibly fill mentorship role. I don't really see that happening for any QBs on the roster unless we do draft a quarterback in this draft. And I think one of the big things about this Fitzpatrick signing is it 100% is Fitzpatrick being the starter this year. Um, The only thing that changes that is we draft a quarterback in the first round, Fitzpatrick struggles a little bit in the middle, and then we want to throw the rookie in. That's the only way I see Fitzpatrick not starting this whole season. And this signing does not, by any means, eliminate us from drafting a quarterback or drafting a quarterback in the first round. Um, I think it makes it much less likely that we do that. However, if the right deal is there to trade up for Trey Lance and to be aggressive, I still think that's a good move. Um, You know, that's something we'll probably talk more about closer to the draft. But, um, you know... This doesn't really eliminate our options for the draft, any options for the draft. But this is a this is a really solid signing. I didn't really give it a whole lot of thought beforehand because I, it, it, similarly to what Rahul said, I just didn't really see the, I, I didn't really see him coming here. I, you know, there were questions about him retiring, um, so I just didn't take it all that seriously. But I'm I'm glad that we got him because I think he's a he he's a big step up from what we've got. He raises the floor of the team overall. Um, I think with like Heineke, well, here's my problem with Heineke and Kyle Allen. I think they're, first of all, they're both very, very similar in the style that they play. And, you know, they could play a full season and maybe take you to seven or eight wins. Um, My concern with Heineke is that he stays healthy. My concern with Allen is that he stays healthy. I don't think either of them are going to do it. Um, Fitzpatrick will stay healthy. Um, He'll make some good throws. He'll, uh, he'll win a lot of games. I, I think we could be a ten win. We can be a ten win team with Fitzpatrick. We could be back to back division champs. It's very possible, especially considering the other signings that we made. Especially considering the other teams that are in that division. True. Well, there's more, but but wait, there's more. There's wow. more signings. Do tell us. We're going to go to the other side of the ball. We're going to talk defense. We're going to talk a new cornerback by the name of William Jackson, William Jackson III that was signed to the Washington football team as well. Uh, undoubtedly will be cornerback one. Um, team is probably going to go towards heavy man. Definitely a cover one style play. Uh, similar, you know, basically Del Rio's kind of bread and butter. Um, he is a little bit older, but he still has the skills to be able to lock down number one receivers 
on that old. He's what, like various teams they play. I think he's 28. But, but yeah, oh, you're right. Yeah. Want to get your thoughts? Want to get your thoughts on on Mr. Jackson? I don't think he's that old. Signing with the Washington football team. He, he's younger than when we signed Josh Norman. We signed Josh Norman right before he turned 30. You're rough. Um, and we also signed Norman to a five-year deal where we were stuck with him for four of those five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, with William Jackson, we're signing him to a three-year deal that's really a glorified two-year deal. Um, so we have an out after two years. It's not – I think the dead cap's only like $5 million. Um, but, you know, we're getting a guy that's kind of like a cornerback two, borderline cornerback one uh, in terms of talent and production. So I'm pretty happy about it. I think he's probably an upgrade over Ronald Darby. Um, we had to pay a little bit more for him. I can live with that. Uh, you know, having Kendall Fuller and William Jackson, uh, I think, is a solid cornerback duo. I think you can probably make the defense elite by double dipping in the draft and if you know if like a good cornerback like jc horn or caleb farley from virginia tech drops to 19 overall i think you could double dip and uh we'd be looking at like number one defense in the nfl i really do believe that um but uh you know i think this is a great signing yeah no i agree with that um some other things it kind of changes the look of our defense, not just a man coverage defense, but if he's going to be locking down the number one receiver, we're going to have Fuller and Moreland in the mix so far. We don't know what, how we're going to approach in the draft, but that's a pretty good setup, I would think, for our quarterback crew. Maybe we bring back Fabian Moreau um, as we transition to more man coverage defense, and he could have more of an impact there. Uh, but it could also mean that Quarterback is a high priority in the draft to pair someone with William Jackson, and then we can move Fuller inside and then have Moreland even play free safety if we want to convert him to that or just have him as a, in more of a depth role. So there's some different changes that that could provide, um, but I don't think it eliminates quarterback outside in the draft, and probably it illuminates that need because we didn't sign Darby for cheap. We're not really going to go for another cornerback prospect on the same level as Darby um, to sign a free agency. This is like pretty much it. So we'll just hit the draft, see what happens, and that that'll be our crew going forward. What do you think about uh, Fabian Moreau being a free agent? Um, that one guy from I forget the guy that was recent. Kevin King for the Packers. Kevin King, yeah, he signed a one-year, six million dollar deal to return to the Packers and. My guess is that's probably about the going price of Moreau. I right think now. Moreau will be cheaper because Moreau just doesn't have that many games on his plate. Four million, maybe. Four million, maybe, and I, I just don't think he has the interest. Like even as someone who went in what the third round and was like hailed to be a first round prospect on athleticism, he just hasn't made plays. He was a running back convert to cornerback, and he was still like learning the position, and he just hasn't been there yet. And maybe it's like he needed to be. Um, more of more put in more man coverages to like showcase the speed, but yeah, just hasn't turned out well. So you think we just let him walk? We can let him walk. I I don't think it's consequential, but it is good to have him back. Same with Ryan mm-hmm. Kerrigan. Like we with Ryan Kerrigan, he's a storied history here and all of that. But like there just might not be a market because teams are strapped for cash and they've made all their moves to try and reduce their cap situations. So. He like, could he could come back, Ryan Kerrigan, and Fabian Murrow could come back with him. I would really like to see them go after or to get Kerrigan back on a one year deal if they can do it at a reasonable cost. I feel I um, feel like he would do that rather than retire because he still feels like he can still play, yeah. um, and then he can rebound with that one year and then go into a cap year with a lot more money from TV deals and stuff like that and get paid by some other team to be a starter. Yeah, could be. He was he was very vocal about how he didn't like being you know, kind of a role player. And, you know, they they <clears throat> they uh, rotated him with Chase Young quite a bit and uh, I think a little bit with Sweat, but not a whole lot. I think he was mainly rotating with uh, Chase Young, which, you know, I thought that was good for both of them, keeps them both fresh. Um, Chase is your guy. You keep him a little more fresh, but on third downs when Kerrigan comes in, he can still be – he can still have an impact. Um, I just don't think Kerrigan's an every-down starter anymore. Um, I, I think his best – Regardless of where he goes, his best is he'd be used best as a rotational guy. 
and that's why I'd really like to to see us bring him back. I think that would be really good for the team. All right, moving along for the third free agent. Third free agent that the Washington football team has signed. Wide receiver by the name of Curtis Samuel. He is a legit about 4-3 speed receiver that was fantastic for Joe Brady in Carolina as a slot receiver. He's very fast. He can stretch the field. He's very shifty. Overall, definitely a much-needed shot in the arm. Coronavirus pun intended. Uh, for I hate you. You just the Washington football team. I just didn't get it. <laughs> like, is he Moderna? Is he Pfizer? Can't help himself. Huh? Can't help I got. I got. I got. I got Pfizer. Uh, anyway, uh, Curtis Samuel signing with the Washington football team. Basically, a huge upgrade for the team on the receiving side of the ball. A team that has pretty much only really had Terry McLaurin as a ma- as a major weapon. Uh, for defenses to deal with, but Curtis Samuel definitely takes comes into the squad, bringing pressure away from Terry McLaurin and basically opening up the types of the types of plays that Scott Turner can run uh, for the offense. But yeah, want to get your thoughts on that? Want to get your all thoughts on that? Curtis Samuel coming to the Washington Football Team. What is how does this how does this speak for the offense? So I was just thinking, it's a good thing we don't cover the Patriots. Because we'd have been going through a list of like 12 free agent <laughs> signings, just like three tight ends or something, like a bunch of defensive pieces. Like we would have been, it would be the Patriots podcast the whole day. But no, yeah, I think Curtis Samuel was not, this wasn't a surprise out of the other two moves we've done. Like we've been, there's, we've been connected with Curtis Samuel since the start. Um, he has a lot of experience, Scott Turner, a lot of experience with Ron Rivera. They know, they should know how to better use him from what they've seen Joe Brady use him as, a slot receiver. And I also think, as partly, partly a need thing, they kind of had to put him at Z um, while he was in Carolina just because they didn't have the wide receivers to really um, take advantage or place at Z. Like, to get the best players on the field, they put him on the outside, and then they had uh, someone who's better in the slot, whereas... In the final year with Joe Brady, they had DJ Moore and um, Robbie Anderson from the Jets, who could, and they could just easily slot Curtis Samuel inside. He's able to explode for yardage. So here in Washington, there is Camp Sims. There is Terry McLaurin, of course. So you can put Curtis back in the inside and just have those two big maul them on the outside. And so it's a good setup. And also... Um, it just brings that extra spark plug we need for the offense that we kind of desperately needed. Um, Terry was getting bracketed uh, pretty heavily um, during the playoff game and just in general um, at the end of the year. The stats really self-report, so having another great target um, that can take handoffs and just explode for yards on the ground would be amazing, and that's what Curtis Samuel fulfills for us, so... I, I can only see good things from this move. And also, he wasn't that expensive compared to other receiver targets, especially the one that signed in the New York Giants, Kenny Galladay. Um, it was only like an, what, an 11.75 mil signing a year. So, something like that. Something like that. So it allows you to pay Terry later on and just kind of sets expectations. So I'm I'm all on board with this move. I'm all I'm on board with all of the free agent moves to be honest. I'm just kind of shocked by the first two and not really surprised by the Samuel one. The Samuel one makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. He had he had ties to Coach Rivera in Carolina. He had ties to Terry McLaurin, teammates at Ohio State, roommates, uh, all that jazz, and just the fact that he fit exactly what we needed on offense. We need more speed. We need more guys that can make plays. Um, I think Curtis Samuel fits us very, very well, especially considering what Scott Turner probably wants to do. He wants to stretch the field. I think I think we'll see Curtis Samuel being used in some of those gadget plays, kind of how we saw him last year, um, taking some handoffs. He burned us. He burned us on quite a few of those plays last year, taking handoffs from behind the line and, uh, you know, he, he, he's very good with the football in his hands. He's young. 
Um, and, and yeah, I think we got him in a really good deal, similar to William Jackson the third. I really like how these co- contracts have been structured. You know, we're not we're not giving out these absurd long contracts like we have in the past. We're giving out basically two year deals that we can get out we can get out of after two years. Um, you know, we're paying for the guys, but but you know we're not we're not strapping ourselves down long term and. That's a good thing when we have guys waiting in the wings like John Allen and Terry McLaurin who are going to get paid here in the next year or two. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think this is really good. Uh, I think this basically spells the end for Steven Sims. Uh, <clears throat> I don't think he's going to be on the roster next year. I think, uh, you know, maybe we'll try and look at some – maybe we'll look at a late-round draft pick that can come in and field punts um, and – be like a part-time slot guy, you know. Get There's rid of a Steven lot of those. Sims. Yeah, get get somebody like that later in the draft. Get rid of Steven Sims. I'd imagine Curtis Samuel's like going to be slot guy like pretty much most of the downs. Um, so the way it is right now, you got Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel. You got Terry McLaurin at X, you got Curtis Samuel at Y, and then Z, I guess right now it's Cam Sims. Um, it could be. It, you know, we could upgrade that other outside receiver spot. Uh, you know, Cam Sims obviously showed some potential. He's, sh- he's shown potential for years. Um, I think we could probably still upgrade that spot, though. Um, hey, know. at least I'd be happy if I just don't have to watch Sims returning punts anymore. It was miserable, and, man. It being like a 20% chance he fumbles it every time. That was like Jamison Crowder's last year here, too. We were putting him back there to field punts, and he was a disaster. Greg Stroman was pretty bad at it, too. We've just had a lot of people who yeah. have not been good, and since Andre Roberts, I think. Crowder was really good as First, a slot guy. He was just terrible at everything else. I think his freshman year, he was good at returning punts, and then he just lost the confidence after that. Yeah, he, he did. He was good for a year. I mean, he was good in college, too. At Duke, he was... Um, I remember he was a pretty good punt returner at Duke. I don't know what happened. In the NFL, some guys just can't make the transition fielding punts. Um, so, I don't know. That makes it interesting. But, uh, you know, so I think we have a lot more speed on offense now. you got Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin are both burners. Antonio Gibson is a bit of a burner himself. So, you, you know, you're starting to build a little bit of that Kansas City Chiefs formula that, You've seen them win with just, like, super fast guys all over the place. But they bombed in the Super Bowl because none of the receivers could catch. Yeah. True. That is true. And because they got penalized, like, every play. That's true. Um, That's why I'm calling a WFT making the Super Bowl this year. You heard it here, folks. Uh, you heard it here. Ryan Fitzpatrick taking the Washington football team to a 16-0 season. You heard what it here. What story that would be, though. Like, would he get the comeback player of the year for that? I'm not sure. No. Nah. Uh, that's not really a comeback. Yeah. That's more like a... He would... He would, he would <laughs> yeah, comeback player of the year award. Like, I, I guess if someone had a grievous injury and then worked through that and was, like, pretty good, or, like, in Alex Smith's case, was just had a documentary or three... Um, and a Netflix show played with, like, Ryan Gosling as a main cast. I don't know. <laughs> Just going on a tangent over there. But, yeah. Um, ben Roethlisberger sort of won it. <laughs> All right. There was one person <laughs> who voted for him. I, I want to know. know. We should to- oh, that he should be Doc. Pittsburgh asshole. <laughs> that's, that's, no, 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 he shouldn't. No, that, he shouldn't. The D.C. Sports Brain Trust. Does, we'll not send formally, our... does not formally endorse doxing of any kind. We'll send we our we are, fans, AK. We are we are anti we are anti dox here at the DC Sports Brain Trust. I'm glad we set that precedent before we got into episode 45. <laughs> Technically, this is episode all right. 49. Okay, moving along. <laughs> quick, 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 quick question. To ask you all uh, in regards to. We're, we're, we're zooming out, bigger picture, the NFC East. The most competitive division in football for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> That's a good you have the Washington football team who has signed these three guys. Curtis Samuel, William Jackson III, Ryan Fitzpatrick. You have the, you have the Giants who made big moves in the offseason as well, of collecting up Kenny Galladay and Adore Jackson. The Cowboys signed Keanu Neal and Ty Neske. And you have the Eagles. 
who signed Anthony Harris. <laughs> the way she said that so matter of factly, they didn't do any moves. That was literally the between. Move. Well, so my overarching question is between you know between these four teams, do you think that the Washington Football Team has kind of won the offseason? Have they improved themselves the most relative to the rest of the teams in the division? I I hate uh, winning the offseason, Nick. Yeah, I hate winning winning the the offseason. We've been the offseason champs. In Dan Snyder's 21 years, we've been the offseason champs about 16 of those years. Um, And I think by those definitions, I think uh, the Giants are the offseason champs because they've overpaid the shit out of Kenny Galladay and Adoree Jackson. Uh, I don't like what the Giants have done at all. Um, I think you're overpaying for a wide receiver when Daniel Jones is still your quarterback. Um, I don't think that's going to work out for him. Uh, for Jackson, you know, you know, we'll see. They're, they've put together an interesting secondary there. They got Jackson, they got Logan Ryan, uh, Jabril Peppers, and I'm missing them. James Bradbury. Going. James Bradbury. So they, they might have a pretty good secondary. Um and I think their defense actually was pretty good last year. Their offense was the problem over yeah. there. Yeah. They had uh, one of the better defenses in the NFL. Right. Top That's five. True. We were like number two, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Dallas. Oh, they made that big a wild card because oh. they got Prescott back. Yeah. Um, Dallas, it's hard to say. I really think it depends if, if they can. It depends if Mike McCarthy has a turnaround in year two or if he really just sucks as much as I think he does. Um, I think right now, by default, we're the favorites to win. And I think the, the way I put it right now, we win the division at 8-8, eight, eight and eight, and we're the defaults to win the division until the way I see it, changed. either all the teams in that division are just going to beat each other up, and yeah, there's going to be like an 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 division winner. Or one team is going to come out on top, and they're going to be like eleven and five or twelve and four. Um, it's almost always been like a nine-win team that wins the division. Like for the last, for like as long as I can remember, every year it's somebody different, and it's always like a nine or a ten-win team. It, it's it's always been the most competitive division, but more recently it's become the most competitive division. But also. The because they're all division. bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, the way I see it, it's if. There's kind of two outside of the Washington football team. If they play to the same ability they did last year. Um, the Cowboys, if they can just literally outscore everyone because their defense is still complete and utter garbage, I haven't seen them really improve that much Dan over Quinn, the... Uh, the defensive coordinators are the only really big move they've made. Yeah. You could argue that's a huge move because Stolen was so bad as a defensive yeah. coordinator. We, we knew at the moment, at, the, the moment that... Nolan was tired there. It's like, oh, that's that's Jay Gruden keeping Jim Hazlitt for another year. Yeah. Like, that's just in one year you're gonna know that was a disaster, and it was. Yeah, and then the Giants. Like, I think it's really if Daniel Jones uh, improves at all this year, that's kind of their win condition for the division. And then I think the Eagles don't stand a chance this year. I think everyone's counting out the Eagles for good reason. And I still would. Like, I'm not their thinking. offensive line is still sucks. Even with the injuries or without, their offensive yeah. line is still pretty garbage. Yeah, it's just their first-round pick, um, Andre Dillard, never really panned out uh, that they traded up for at left tackle. And it just, like, a lot of their other pieces. Like, Brandon Brooks is good, but he's he wasn't healthy uh, before. And now it's just, like, they even tried to trade him off in this offseason. So I don't really see a clear path where the Eagles come out on it ahead. Like, maybe in the draft they pick up a Dynamo wide receiver or something to help out Hurts. Or They're going to pick up some shitty wide receiver like they do Maybe they year. even draft a quarterback to replace Hurts, but I doubt it from what the owner has said and stuff like that. So I would have traded for Hurts. If um, if they were going to give him up, I, I wanted to trade for Hurts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's their, their path, is that Hurts plays a lot better in year two than we all think he will. I like just Josh Allen. Yeah. I like Josh Allen. Dude, Josh Allen. I liked, I liked That's what out. the Giants fans are making the argument for, for Daniel Jones. I don't like, see, have you seen nah. Josh Allen? I've seen enough of Daniel Jones. I haven't yeah. seen enough of Hurts yet. Daniel yeah. Jones is just kind of like a fumbling. Like, he's, he's, Eli, he's Eli Manning. He's yeah. really going to have to improve if the Giants are going to win the division. I think 
Right now, we're looking at either Washington football team or the Dallas Cowboys win the division. And I'm pessimistic here. I think the Cowboys win the division just because... They're not going to outscore everybody. I think they they were doing that when Dak was healthy last season. They were also like 1-3 when he was healthy. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, but like, they scored a lot, too. They it was scored just, a lot, but they, didn't out, they only outscored one team in that four-game stretch. I feel like their defense has made the marginal... Pretty big improvement of getting rid of their just totally getting garbage. a new defense. I don't know, man. Getting new defensive coordinator changes a lot, especially a previous head. coach. I don't see what's his face. David. No, <laughs> the head coach, um, Mike McCarthy. I don't see him leading a defense to victories. I don't uh, think Mike McCarthy was a terrible hire, but yeah, I don't know. see him leading that entire team to victories. I think we're gonna see the same kind of thing with the Cowboys. With or without a new defensive coordinator, of they score a gazillion points, but they also give up a gazillion points. I think the Cowboys are probably. I would probably write them in at like eight and eight, just because they got Dak back. I think. I agree. I think uh, Zeke Elliott is on the decline. Um, but I don't think Zeke Elliott really even matters. Like his contract is a sunk cost, yeah. and then you have um, what's his face that other uh, Pollard, I think. From um, same Memphis uh, that Gibson came from, also mm-hmm. there, who's also playing like decent. Like you, you could there's sunk cost contracts there, like Jalen Smith's contract and um, Zeke Elliott's, of course. But like they have talent on yeah, offense, definitely. Like I, I could see if the Washington football team, if their defense continues to play well and Brian Fitzpatrick actually makes an impact. I could see two teams from the NFC East actually making it this uh, season. With like, if the Washington Football Team wins eleven or twelve games, and then the Cowboys come in as a wild card with an eight and eight, even that's the only way that I could see. You could have it with two teams going nine and ten. Yeah, new wild card rules. I was gonna say previously, like I was thinking, the NFC South are definitely gonna be the two teams that send because you know, Bucks, Super Bowl champions, and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And then, like, not Saints, but, like, maybe Panthers. Panthers? No. I don't see I think the Falcons. Panthers, Panthers are an intriguing team. I really like Joe Brady. I'm kind of surprised he didn't get the head coaching job. But he's going to get one really soon. I don't Especially think... when they get, like, Trey Lance or something. Well, or Falcons Fields. are consistent, at least with Matt Ryan, Julio Smith. Or the Julio. Panthers are going to get Joe Brady. They're going to get him a quarterback. That's not Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think that any like outside of the Bucks, that division is pretty weak. I think. I think with I mean, the Breeze Panthers, gone, it matters a lot for the NFC South being a powerhouse. Saints are yeah, that's what yeah. The Saints I don't think are gonna do much this year. I think that could be a wild card. Um, Vern, you want to talk about your favorite team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? <laughs> I think the Buccaneers probably win that division in pretty much a landslide. I am I am I am a fan of the game, bro. I'm not a fan of any particular team. I'm a fan of the game and the Washington football team. That's it. You're not a fan of the Did I just Patriots? contradict Did I just did I just contradict myself there? Absolutely. Do I care? No, I don't. Tom Brady is the game. <laughs> All right. The world is Tom moving. Brady. Jeez. All right, moving forward. Basketball. We're going from a high to a low. Sorry, but that's just how it is here. And can you imagine though that like this time last year we were pretty much saying the same thing about the Washington football? Like we were going from the Nats winning the World Series to the Washington football team, and we I'm pretty sure we said the same thing from a we high were, to a low in the Washington football we were, team. Oh, and one dismal. year later, one year later, the Washington football team is that high. It's pretty I mean, crazy. it's not like. It it's really not like speaks a super high, but it's. I it's mean, definitely, but it's definitely yeah. It's it's feel good. It's, it's feel good. Yeah. But I mean, it's like winning playoffs feel good, like that kind of feel good. I mean, they took the step forward. Yeah. So I mean, real quick, what do you think the predict your your goal for the Washington football team is? We'll probably get more into this. Oh, I think they're the season, but they're going seven, at, not seven and nine, but like seven and ten because of the new game. Yeah. Oh, is there? Is it a seventeen-game season yep. this year? No, well, they're pushing for it. It's likely going to. It happen. hasn't happened officially, but uh, it's so likely. if it doesn't happen, my hope for them is nine and seven. Um, yeah, nine All and right. seven win the division again. But I, what I was trying to transition back into basketball with was like, <laughs> it's amazing to see we were so dismal on the Washington football team because they had, but the new head coach really spurred a new momentum of change. What is Scott Brooks 
really transitioning. What is he providing to the Wizards? Mediocrity. Medioc- not even mediocrity. <laughs> just below average. He's providing the ability to cash large paychecks. He, he's providing the ability to laugh in press conferences at the absurdity of being hired still and still being on a contract while watching the team just like crumble around him. He's an idiot. Like, listen, he's just a bad coach. There's no motivation in that locker room whatsoever. They play well against good teams, and they play like trash against trash teams. I think Beal is keeping him sane by just thinking that it's not real life anymore. Like, it's a video huh. game, and it's just on the most difficult setting. Like, all his teammates are idiots. I think Bradley Beal is just waiting for a new coach. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's literally just the the front office has probably just been like, yeah, he's done. But like with the front That's office, the only reason I think he's still there. Do you that, think? Uh, I don't know. If the front office told him he's done, he would have been fired. That's what I. That's thought. probably true. <laughs> but I like it's, it's gotta weird, be that man. he knows that he's gonna be fired at the end of the season and they'll be getting a new coach. Otherwise, why is Bradley Beal still here? Make and why does he keep saying he's happy here if the team around him hasn't done shit? And it's. Not even the team's fault, I feel like, at this point. I feel I honestly feel like it's 100% the coach, and they just need to dump his ass. Because well, they're also lacking some talent, but it's majority the coach. They're playing, like, they're playing up to the teams that they shouldn't. Like, the Nets, they almost beat the other day, and then they lose against, guard, or they get blown out by trash teams. It doesn't make any sense. And that's 100% on the coach, not on the players. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think... Um... Oh, Bradley Beal's in a... Oh, no, he's not in a contract here. Never mind. No, um, he has years. I mean, he's... You know, why well, he is he He just here? signed a new deal, like, yeah. last year. Yeah. He's, that doesn't stop teams <clears throat> from asking about him. I mean, yeah. they're going to ask about him forever until the, you know, until the mean, team is good. Yeah. Like, there's, there's no way. Don't bite the hand that feeds you too much. You know, you're being paid well. I, I mean, it, it's one thing to have a contract locked up, but you never know what'll happen when... You know, we were reminded that this week with the whole Deshaun Watson thing. I mean, obviously, Deshaun Watson has allegedly done some wrongs here. But Deshaun Watson thought that he had this, you know, when he was demanding a trade, he thought, you know, I just signed this nine-figure contract extension. Somebody's going to have to pay it to me. That might not be the case anymore. I feel like basketball is completely different. Like, you see these max contracts out there. Like players get traded that you don't even think. The trade deadline is like a wild, wild west out there. So, this could happen. That's true with any sport, I think. But uh, the trade deadline's insanity. I think it, just this year it wasn't that crazy because... Yeah. And with football, like... Football, it's hard because you have players that ha- are good for certain systems. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to, like, move them and expect something. You can also turn around a season a lot easier. If you have good players and people start to come back from injury in football... You can really turn around a season, I think, a lot easier than you can in other sports, such as basketball. Like, if your team's not playing well and you're, like, 20 games under it, there's no hope. It's, it's not going to happen. But if you're, like, two games under in the NFL, you got ch- you got yeah. a chance still. Like, if you're sitting at 5-7 and seven at the 12-game mark... You go, man, you go three what are we going to do about the... Man, what are we going to do about the Wizards, bruh? Bro, we got dunked on by 32-year-old Blake Griffin. There is I don't even know he I mean, okay, hold on. There's, there's hold, on. No, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I have a, I have a quorum with that, with that statement. Blake Griffin, while not the player he once was, is still a very, very solid bench guy. So to get dunked on by him, frankly, I don't consider that yeah, much of an insult. If we were to get yeah, dunked on by, like, JaVale McGee. JaVale McGee. Chris, That's quote, getting unquote, getting dunked on by JaVale McGee is, more, is an insult to me. Chris, on quote-unquote day, quote-unquote time, Blake Griffin is washed. That period, dot. That's what? that's what happened. He said he was washed. Who said that? You said that. I don't remember saying Blake wow, Griffin was washed. Wow, let's pull up the chat log over here. <laughs> and I'm not going to pull it up on my laptop because it would crash everything and we would say goodbye to this podcast recording. No, I mean, yeah. that team sucks. Fire Scott Brooks. That's the end of the story. Can we talk about March Madness instead? Oh, wait. The DC teams in March Madness also sucked. Oh, no. 
Dude, Virginia suck, Tech man. lost, UVA lost, um, WVU lost. WVU, we don't yeah, count WVU. I mean, they're close enough. Georgetown There's enough lost. teachers from WVU in Northern Virginia. So Georgetown, Liberty. Georgetown got their ass slapped. Liberty lost. Yeah, I mean, um, I was expecting Georgetown to lose. I wasn't yeah. exactly expecting them to lose that badly. Maryland lost. We're not counting oh, that, yeah, but that's Maryland. funny. Maryland had a good season. Yeah, but I they feel Maryland like... and Georgetown also both came in. They came in. Having done more than anyone thought. They're, People they are had, real mad about Turgeon on Twitter, though. Yeah, because yeah, he was like, we were expecting to lose, yeah. essentially. And, like, the uh, players. Their head um, coach. Oh. They, he basically said, like, we were undersized, undermanned, under-abilityed. So Bro. we were... Basically, like, shifting Bro. blame away from himself is like, this is the players. Oh, no, it, it was... They never stood a chance. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of the the players just weren't good enough. Essentially, but isn't that odd to compete? It's like because he's the recruiter. Well, I think he's a new coach. Still, but he's been there. For that's years. also not just not what you say right after your team lost. <laughs> I um, think Maryland Terps fans are about ten years are, are suffering. Well, they're. Um, I was <laughs> gonna say they're they're Redskins yeah. fans from like the mid two thousands. Like Snyder bought the team, he'd owned it about ten years, and it's like we still talk about all the Super Bowls from like ninety one in the late eighties, and this owner is yeah. like you know ruining things. But it's only been like ten years. Um, like uh, fan, they haven't been good for a while. The fan base <laughs> of Washington football team between ten years ago and now has changed, as in like there are no fans anymore. Like the Terps <laughs> fans are about ten years away from that. Oh, but what I would see. you say about they, they the... are on the ups? Well, they got they're going to lose the one guy to the NBA draft. I forget his name, but outside of that, that teams could be on the upswing. But the um, Georgetown about... as well is going to be on the upswing. What what I think you about Wizards fans upswing? though that have just like suffered through however many years of Brunfell, Four years, miserable years. They have like... one championship from what like the seventies. We feel good about this when oh, they were the bullets. We're close. Yeah. Um. I don't know. The Wizards, you just have to... I think their them. fan base has just been beaten. Like, you get all these young players, talented players, and they just f- fall in the system, and nothing really happens to them. There's, uh... <laughs> yeah. Yep. I don't know. Um, yeah, Terps fans just remind me of Redskins fans from about 10 years ago. It's, it feels similar to me. Um, so give them another 10 years of misery and uh, see what happens. Change the name back to Bullets. Is my official stance. Signed back Gilbert Arenas. Oh, Remember no. when he brought a gun into the locker room? Wow, good times. Good times. What a- Bulls answer. Change the name back to Bullets. Resign Gilbert Arenas. Resign Michael Jordan. Perfect. Perfect. All right. And Moving away from up, basketball. I can show up with to... all my bullets that I bought this past weekend. <laughs> Moving Jesus. on, Snake. the Trojan guns and all right, right. Now, all right, sure. okay, we're done. We're not all right, moving on that. from basketball, <laughs> going to baseball. Very optimistic. Opening day is around the corner. It is from this podcast eight days or nine days, I believe. Next Thursday. Uh, yes, sir. We are ready for opening day. Your uh, might is conf- be going to the game. Ooh. Are they gonna Ooh, have, okay. I, I, I forgot I asked you this, but are they going to have a spaced out grouping? Yeah. yeah. So basically how they're doing it, um, you won't have the tickets that you bought. It's kind of yeah. just random where you go. But um, yeah, I'll be, if I get off for that day from work, I'll be going to the game. If not, I'll go on Monday or Tuesday after that. Um, and if not, then whoops. No, I'll no, be... It'll, be, it'll be one of the two of like, it's just when work gives me off. I have two days off, so one of those two days. It'll be exciting, though, opening day. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I'll be watching it from up here, probably on your Hulu, because MLB.TV is not going to work for me as they're playing the Mets, and I'm We're geo-locked out here. losing all of our sponsorships. I just see them walking away. I'm telling you guys, get the sponsorship <laughs> the ammo shop in Manassas. All right. Do Talking about opening day, Matt Scherzer is expected to be the opening day pitcher. Uh, some they are playing, of course, in New York Mets, like I mentioned. Um, Low Mets gonna, should be. What's up? Low Mets. Yep, should be a should be a good should be a, an exciting matchup. Uh, couple 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 question marks though. Luis Garcia, is there a way 
for him to make the opening roster. Yes. Chris already answered that question, but I'll give you additional context. Albatross. It is it is an extremely easy question to answer, but it does bear asking. So you right now, what we what we what what we are seeing, it took all my self start- restraint to not put Michael A. Taylor instead of Luis Garcia here. It was a struggle. <laughs> is there a way for Michael A. Taylor to make the opening day roster? <laughs> all right, uh, as we saw, as we saw in recent spring training games, uh, Starley Castro has been put at third base. Uh, Garcia was at second base uh, today in spring training, uh, basically bringing up the question that the Nats might be moving away from Carter Keyboom in pursuing other options for third base in the form of Starling Castro. Some other updates. Kyle Schwarber's hitting dingers. You love to see it. We we love some dingers. As well, and Josh Bell is also playing extremely well. So so far so good for some of the Nats some of the Nats offseason signings. Um, very excited to see the Nats on opening day. Very excited to see how they shape up. Uh, seeing these new guys like Schwarber and Bell, seeing some guys up in the bullpen like Brad Hand, and of course, of course, seeing Juan Soto hit hitting dingers, and of course Trey Turner as well. Yo, it's kind of a yeah. Your bad... prediction. Sorry, Ron, you can continue. No, that's it. I just wanted to get your all's thoughts. Are you guys? I, I obviously you guys are all, all excited for opening day. Um, but uh, just want to get your thoughts on how you think opening day is going to play out. What as we're seeing the season come into form as to what how the Nats are going to be looking going into April. Uh, what do you what do you expect out of them? What do you expect out of them in this in this early part of the season? You know, an interesting thing is Juan Soto and Trey Turner. I'm sure they'll turn it around, but they're combined for one RBI in spring training and zero home runs. So there is Soto hasn't played a whole lot, though. Yeah, I mean, they'll be fine. It's just they're probably working on different things, so I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, As you said, Schwarber only hitting home runs, not really doing much else. He's hitting 205. That's, Um, That's what I was worried about, getting him. Yeah, I'm hoping he gets up to, like, 240-ish. For the regular season and just keep, keeps hitting dingers. Josh Bell looked fantastic. Like he's been as advertised essentially when they got him. Um, but now back to Car- Garcia and, and the mess that is Carter Keyboom. And I mean, if, if they don't ha- have confidence in Carter Keyboom, Garcia will probably be up with the team and he'll probably go to second and Castro will move over to third. That's what I think is eventually going to happen. I think the Carter Keyboom project is coming to a close, or the experiment, and he continues to struggle at the plate. He shows up defensively every once in a while, but it can't be hitting 200 all the time, um, unless your name is Kyle Schwarber. You can't really give him the benefit of the doubt either because he's proven oh, yeah. throughout a season he just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there is no doubting here um he did the same thing last season he did it two seasons ago and they keep talking about carter keep him finally turned in a corner this doesn't happen don't think it's ever going to happen i think he's just not great and he's going to do the same thing as his brother spencer Keeboom did mm-hmm. just so, kind of sit in triple a for the rest of eternity i'm not really superstitious here but it's kind of a bad omen um just like kind of the weird stuff that's been going on with the team um brad hand uh, well, actually, no, it was John Lester uh, getting thyroid surgery, Will Harris getting a blood clot, um, even Strasburg kind of got shaken up, and then he was fine afterwards, but, like, kind of weird injuries and, like, surgeries that, like, out of the blue that are needed. I'm just like, hopefully it's not foretelling something for the season, knock on wood, but, yeah, like, it's, like, kind of crazy. Like, we have already... <laughs> nice. We're already losing... A few players, and they're coming back, but still, it's just like, what What the heck is happening? Like, are they on cursed Indian burial ground? <laughs> the uh, the Will Harris situation with the blood clot, that's, like, really interesting. But you're really um, on pins and needles with Will Harris, because he hasn't had that good year, and he got yeah, paid. He did get <laughs> so, paid. Like, you really want him to play well yeah. to justify Blood clot's, like, a big deal. Though. Like, that's, you know, you gotta get that taken care of. Um, I don't know how long he's gonna be out for that, Um 
But you know that could be a that could be an issue. That yeah. could be a long term issue. Strasburg's going to be fine. I think even he has a slight tweak and he's fine. He's already pitching. Rainey had a muscle tension thing going on too. He still pitched, but mm-hmm. there was like some issue he had with his like right pack or something like that. Mm. We could have. I was going to say our bullpen's getting dinged a little bit. Um, I, I think Strasburg will be fine. Uh, yeah, you know, in terms of the bullpen, we're just we're going to have to rely a little more on guys like Wander Suero and Kyle Finnegan. Uh, we're not going to have like the, you know, what were we maybe anticipating before this season, like uh, Daniel Hudson in the seventh, uh, Will Harris in the eighth, and Brad Hand in the ninth or something like that. Um, you know, we may not have that quite a, uh, right away. Um, might take a little time. Um, you know, I, I think our bullpen's going to be all right. Um, I, I saw enough from guys last year, and I think that we'll, you know, I, that I think we'll, I think we'll be all right. Um, we'll, we'll see about Daniel Hudson, but Brad Hand's obviously solid. I think Kyle Finnegan showed a lot. Tanner Rainey showed a lot last year. So, I, I think the, uh, I think the depth is there. We'll see what happens. I think they should uh, run around the base. This is Will uh, Harris burning is, sage. Will Harris. I mean, that's that's a tough one. Like, you don't know how long he could miss with a blood clot. Like, you know, I don't know if that's something where you can get it taken care of and then you're back out there or what. But like, you you know, you die with a blood from a blood clot if it's not dealt with. So obviously, yeah. The doctors for the Nats haven't said anything yet with his yeah, blood clot. Been pretty quiet about it. Yeah, they. Outside of he's probably not going to be available for opening day. There's not much, which I other figured. Information. Yeah, he could he could miss a lot of time with that. That'd be my guess, but I don't know. Um, what do y'all think about uh, Scherzer versus Degrom in opening day? Should be a very good pitching matchup. That's yeah. for sure. Josh Bell is going to hit three dingers in the first inning. Um, I hope so. I hope. Well, honestly, I hope everyone in the batting lineup hits a dinger on Degrom. That would be that would be great. I I, I would laugh quite a bit. Even Cardo Kibum. Even Cardo Kibum. I hope Davy. I hope I hope I hope Davy comes in as a designated hitter, and he hits a dinger off of uh, Degrom as well. That's what I want. I'm. Um, am I the only one here that's a little bit? Concerned about Max Scherzer this year? No. Um, I because I think he's. I mean, look, he obviously had a. Everybody had a bit of an off year last year, so you know, get take it, take that with a grain of salt. Uh, I think Scherzer's still kind of coming to form in spring training. Um, Degrom looks like he's already in midseason form. I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm, I don't feel too great about this opening day. I hope that I'm like totally proven wrong, but. Um, you know, with Degrom pitching for the Mets, and I have some concerns about if Scherzer's like, you know, ready to go right now, true to form. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, I hope that uh, our lineup really shows up. Like Soto hits a couple dingers, Josh Bell goes ham. Uh, you know, I hope we see Victor Robles. You know, take a huge step up, like we all hope he will this year, and how we've kind of seen in spring training, and you know. Uh, hope Trey Turner is like almost MVP form like a year ago, but you know I, I do have concerns if that's all going to come to fruition and if that all, you know, if it takes time for that to happen. I mean, we've obviously had some slow starts the last few years. So um, I'm not really that worried about Scherzer, but I am kind of worried about Strauss. Just like not being able to stay healthy has really too. been a bane to the, this whole team's success. Yeah, I'm worried about that. Yeah, his injury. Uh... History has not been great. Hopefully he uh, doesn't get injured, I guess. <laughs> There's nothing really you can do about it. It's like, yeah. hey, uh, you know, don't do something stupid. Just, like, stay healthy, man. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's just bad luck. Big facts. Stay healthy, Robles. Best of luck to the Nationals. Let's hope for a dub. And with that, we'll wrap things up. My name is Varun. I've been your host and moderator here at the DC Sports Brain Trust, accompanied by three of my good friends, the best damn sports analysts around, Chris, Nick, and Rahul. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. We'll have links to those in the description of the episode. Until then, thank you for listening. Hope to see you all next week and keep supporting DC Sports.
Yeet. I, I can't hear the theme. We good?